everybody. My name is Greg Katz, and welcome to a special offensive pre-spring practice edition of We Are SC's Inside the Trojans Huddle. Today, we break down position by position the offense heading into spring ball. Friends, Inside the Trojans Huddle is a game-like panel discussion with We Are SC columnists and staff writers. We start with the pregame show where we introduce our panel members for this special offensive edition of Inside the Trojans Huddle and give you the latest USC Trojans football news. First, let's meet this week's panelists. Mark Culkin, we are SC columnist, who writes the Monday Morass, yay or nay, Sunday takeaways, in addition to regular season football and practice reports. Eric McKenney, publisher and editor-in-chief of WeRSC.com, and Greg Katz, that's me, your host and moderator of Inside the Trojan Subtle and a weekly WeRSC columnist who writes the obvious and not so obvious and IMHO Sunday. Before we kick off our special offensive spring practice edition, here's the latest USC football news. Although no official announcement has been made as yet, USC spring ball under Lincoln Riley is expected to begin next Tuesday, March 22nd, with a spring game slated for Saturday, April 23rd. Check with wersc.com daily for official confirmation. Late last week, the Trojans unofficially hosted the South Florida Express 7x7 team. Uh, an all-star group comprised of some of the nation's top talent, the South Florida Express, in town for a passing tournament. And the South Florida Express squad included four-star wide receiver Brandon Innes from Miami Gardens, a huge USC Trojan recruit. As a caveat, Trojans class of 2023, five-star quarterback commit Malachi Nelson took snaps at quarterback with the South Florida Express team. In another gesture of goodwill and good luck, as he did with the Trojans women's basketball team when they were headed into the Pac-12 tournament, Trojans quarterback Caleb Williams passed out beat earphones to the seventh seed Trojans men's basketball team, which opens NCAA Midwest Region tournament play against the 10th seeded Miami Hurricanes on Friday afternoon in Greensboro, South Carolina. Tip-off time is 12.10 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on True TV. And finally, friends, we are SC's Inside the Trojans Huddle. Greatly appreciate your viewer and leadership. We uh, appreciate and encourage those of you watching on sites like YouTube to click on the red subscriber and like buttons. Greatly appreciated, and it's for free. All right, time for the first quarter competition panel. Uh, we're going to talk about the quarterback situation. First, let's meet the 2022 quarterback roster, notable quarterbacks, Missing from 2021, Keaton Slovis transferred to Pitt. Jason uh, Jackson Hart transferred to Ole Miss. The 2020 spring quarterback candidates from the transfer portal, Caleb Williams from Oklahoma. Returner, Miller Moss. So, Mark Culkin, you begin your thoughts on this position, and please predict a starter for us. Well, uh, I have two choices. So, uh, I'm going to go with Caleb Williams as a starter only because um, he's not leaving Oklahoma to come to USC if he's not going to be the starter. What I do find really interesting, and I was discussing this over the weekend with somebody, I can't remember the last time that USC only has two scholarship quarterbacks available. Now, I understand that Mo Hassan is, you know, just recently ruptured his Achilles, but even still, for this program, of all programs that, you know, Heisman winners and Prolific passing yardage. I mean, we just saw a tweet this past weekend where you had um, Carson Palmer, Mark Sanchez, Matt Leinart, and um, God, what's the last? Uh, Sam, Sam Darnold, all hanging out together. And right now, you've got two scholarship quarterbacks available for when spring camp is scheduled to start. So hopefully, uh, both arms will be available <laughs> when fall camp rolls around because they're going to be throwing a lot of passes this spring and your predicted starter again caleb williams caleb williams unless he gets hurt unless he gets hurt all right eric mckinney shock us with your predict your evaluation but prediction as well no the the thoughts on the position are caleb williams the pick for the starter is caleb williams it's not you know it's not crazy and, and I say that, and, and I think we'll all sort of mention this and, and i'll probably kind of trip over myself mentioning it every, every time but the excitement about Caleb Williams, I, I don't think is meant to denigrate Miller Moss or, or anything like that. Miller Moss 
I would be more comfortable with Miller Moss playing than I was with, with Jack Sears playing a few years ago with Matt Fink playing uh, when he was here. I think Miller Moss is, is, would be just fine. I think he's that kind of caliber quarterback. He he's a, he would be a very competent USC quarterback, maybe a great one. If he got the Lincoln Riley offense to himself and and a bunch of time and starters reps and and all of that, Uh, he's, he's not the number one prospect in the country that Caleb, Caleb Williams was that has already run this offense successfully. Uh, That that's what Caleb Williams is. That's what he'll be at USC. And I think the expectation is that that is what he will be from day one, snap one of spring ball for USC. And that will be the defense. And we'll get to the defense. I know next week, the defense is going to be, I think more important how that adjusts and and gets going in the spring, but the story of spring, the guy who will get 80, 85% of the press and attention and all of that is going to be Caleb Williams. Well, it'll be interesting, though, Eric, to see how many of that percentage, how many snaps Caleb takes, because he knows the offense and, you know, you, you, you want to protect the quarterback. So how much of the offense will be geared towards the running? And I, I got a little insight on that. Again, Miller's probably going to get the majority of snaps, I think, because Caleb already knows the offense. And we, we've watched USC. We're used to backup quarterbacks having to take game snaps. I mean, <laughs> having to be integral parts of, of this offense. So, yeah, you don't, you don't hope for it. You want your starter to, to play the whole year and, and be healthy. But we've become accustomed <laughs> to seeing backup quarterbacks uh, take reps for USC. Right. All right. Well, I'll make this short and sweet. Uh, Miller Moss will make a great backup. I think he's fully capable. I think he probably at some point in time will see some action in the season. Because you never know when you have also a running quarterback like Caleb Williams, uh, you know, you're subjected to more hits. Uh, we hope that doesn't happen for Caleb's sake. Uh, my only concern with Caleb was how would he fit in with the team in terms of all the notoriety, but he's doing just fine giving out those beat ear phones to the men's and women's basketball team. Uh, the only, only rocking of the boat I could possibly see is if the baseball team or the rowing team says, Oh, what about us? Uh, you know, he could easily say, well, get into a tournament or a championship and you'll get yours. But just scratching the surface, I thought he did a great job in cementing himself as a person uh, that the players would be there. And I think it was OK for them to put it on video and, and show the public of Caleb Williams and what he's doing. So uh, I'll just end it by saying it's not even a contest. Caleb gets the uh, gets the nod. It's a unanimous decision. So with that in mind, the bell says we move to the second quarter. Now, this will be a little bit more uh questions here we talk about the running back competition uh notable losses uh, from 2021 you got Keontae ingram the nfl we assume a favai malapai to the nfl you know and kristan uh yeah, i think he's a portal guy i have not heard whether he's uh decided where he's going uh the 2022 spring candidates from the transfer portal travis die from oregon austin jones from stanford returners uh, Darwin Barlow, Brandon Campbell. Panel, your thoughts on this position? And again, please have predicted uh, starters. So, uh, Eric, why don't you take this one to lead us off? It's kind of the same as, as the quarterback for me. It, it, Travis Dye and starter Travis Dye. I, I think he came down here the way USC coaches jumped at him when he landed in the portal. Uh, he's a big addition. He, he knows the the conference he is uh he he's very decorated scored a ton of touchdowns last year he can run he can catch he can pick up an offense quickly he's veteran he's a veteran player he has played a ton of snaps he's another guy where i think he'll get this offense pretty quickly uh he's a leader and and i think he can establish himself at the top of that list and again it's one of those things where I, i don't mean to diminish what Austin Jones can do and, and Darwin Barlow and, and Brandon Campbell coming back. I, I think Darwin Barlow is capable of taking a big jump. Austin Jones, I think is knocked a bit for me just because that Stanford offense is just, it's so hard to watch. I, I mean, everybody there recently who has played for David Shaw uh, at Stanford offensively kind of drops a, a notch just because, again, how they're used and what they're able to do up there. But so I, I think he's a talent too. I think you've got some talented guys in that room. I would not be surprised 
if this doesn't end up and, and we're talking all the way in the fall now, this doesn't end up where it's split a bunch of ways. And, and Travis Dye does, I think, uh, eventually jump to the top of there. And, and I think he'll want to come in and make that known in the spring. Again, how much are you going to run a veteran guy like that into a wall when you're trying to establish kind of physical culture and all of that stuff uh, in the spring? But I can see Travis Dye say, no, I'm, you know, I want that. I want to go. I, I want to set the tone um, a little bit. I, I think he's capable of doing that. So, again, he he's the guy that I want to see in spring ball kind of take over that leadership role. But I, I do think I think you've got options. And, and the USC running back spot is is that right. If you're going to line up at running back at USC, you're talented. You, you've got you've got the ability to do it if you get carries and, and put into the offense. Mark, how do, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, there's not a lot to really add to that. I mean, they're all basically similar size, um, you know, 5'10", 6 foot, right around that, you know, that height. Um, Travis Dye came to USC. This is, this is finishing school for him. You know, he is coming to show the NFL. Here's an offense that was tailor-made for my style. You know, he, he runs with power, but he's also a slashing style. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, He's coming here to show his wares. Same thing with Austin Jones, maybe to a lesser extent. I think it's going to be interesting, though, to see of Darwin Barlow and Brandon Campbell. Um, you know, who sticks around past the spring? Because even though, you know, Lincoln Riley will run the ball more frequently and more efficiently than Graham Harrell's offense, um, that's still four talented running backs. And unless they're planning to go two backs, I, I don't know, man. It's gonna be a Rayleigh game. Brown is, by the way, knocking right <laughs> coming in the summer. Yeah, you got Rayleigh Brown saying, "Hey, and I can line up back there. You can put me in the slot. You can fly sweep me." Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. He doesn't even show up until the summer, so this is decisions are still to be made. Yeah, but I, to your question, I, yes, Travis Dye will be the starter unless he's hurt. All right, and I agree, Travis Dye will be the starter. He is the most attacking running back they've had in a while. Uh, he has a style unto his own. Uh, I see a little bit of Charles White toughness in him, the way he attacks a hole and the way he's, he, he's, he bounces off guys that hit him. Uh, he is, to me, the, uh, the real lead guy. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't count out uh, Austin Jones either. I think he's tough. And remember, we're talking here for the viewers and for the listeners here. We're just talking about spring ball. And I thought uh, a point was well taken that we don't know is are any of them going to transfer out after spring ball? Uh, I obviously a die isn't. I don't think Jones isn't. Or know, during. Or during. You never know these days. But uh, to make it short and sweet, I'm I'm all uh, about uh, Travis Die. I think he's going to be a wonderful addition. And I look forward to uh, watching him uh, play and uh, practice if uh, we're given a chance to watch them practice. So with that, let's move on to halftime. We generally have a, a fun question at halftime, but because this is a special edition uh, of the uh, huddle, we're going to move right into tight ends. Uh, let's talk about the tight ends a little bit. Uh, notable losses from 2021, Eric Kromenhoek, who we think will probably get a shot at the NFL. Michael Trigg transferred to Ole Miss, as most of you are aware of. The 2022 candidates um, uh, returning are Malcolm Epps, Josh Follow, Lake McCree, Ethan Ray, and Jude Wolf. Eric, uh, your thoughts on the tight end position and predicted starter? First of all, I want to apologize to the tight ends on behalf of Greg for saying this is not a fun, a fun halftime category. I think I think talking about tight ends could be fun. Uh, I, oh, wait a minute. I thought Arledge wasn't here today. Is he, oh, he's, he's, text, he's texting me with what I need to, what I need to interject here. Man, uh, okay, for our listeners, since uh, it was brought, Chris was on assignment in Florence, Italy, I understand. And he, he sends his regards and fight on to all of you and apparently has passed on the let's rip on cats uh, mantra. So <laughs> go right ahead and uh, get it out of your system. <laughs> so I, I've Lake McCree came in in the, in the spring last year and i have i I just love watching him play so i'm always gonna have him probably maybe a notch above like where he actually 
you know, exists on this team because I think he's tough. I think he can catch. I think he'll block. And I think that he may be kind of a fit for that H back or, or that sort of thing when there isn't an obvious like big fullback body uh, on the roster right now. And, and Lincoln Riley has done really well using guys at that spot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if it's a, a tight end that kind of plays there or how that position works in. But I, I really think Lake McCree is, is kind of, you know, um, on an upward trajectory in terms of his career at USC. I think Malcolm Epps, what he did last year is, is pretty special and his ability to kind of run as a, as a bigger tight end. I think that plays into the other guys. It's just, it's just the injury concerns. I don't know if you can kind of put them in and pen until you really see them do it. And it could be a big spring depending on how healthy they are what they're able to do. But I think if, if you get a fully healthy Malcolm Epps, a fully healthy Lake McCree, I, I think you do have two pretty good guys uh, at that spot. And then some wild cards where it's, it's kind of all bonus um, if, if they can chip in a little bit. I think that's a spot and, and I'm skipping past spring ball. Now it, it's a spot where if there's a guy out there that Lincoln Riley says, no, 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 that that's the guy that that guy fits exactly kind of what I want as a tight end. Maybe that's a position um, where USC could go in the summer. But but I think these guys will have a shot to, to prove themselves this spring. Uh, there's a lot of them, you know, you're talking about Josh Follow and Ethan Ray and, and Jude Wolf. There's a lot of those guys that, that want to prove that they can get on the field and stay on the field. So your predicted starter is? I like that Ep- Epps-McCree uh, kind of tag team there you at, you at you tight end. Co-starters then is what you're saying. Well, if you have, you know, if you have like the Y, you know, the Y tight end, the H tight end, you know, that that Lincoln Riley has used kind of two different bodies there, the the traditional tight end, uh, as well as kind of that that big fullback uh, H back. Jeremiah Hall was the, the most recent guy at Oklahoma doing that. All right. So we got your perspective. Now let's go to the great Mark Culkin. What is your perspective on this position and yeah. starter? I'm thinking the first person to show the the want to just want to be a fullback, to block, to find a defender and say, Pancake, I, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to open the eyes because, you know, this spring camp is going to be all about, you know, keeping the culture change going and physicality, um, emphasizing the run game. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I think Eric touched on it. Lake McCree is one of those guys where, you know what, he would go play football barefoot in the mud, just, you know, just let's go play. He's that type of mentality. So I agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Ethan, he's been around, he's been injured. Jude Wolf, he actually, he's been playing. Um, but again, that's why I said, whoever is the most willing blocker, I think is probably going to grab the attention of the coaches. So for the time being, I don't know if they're going with a two tight end set. Um, Let's just go with the oldest of the group or the one who was most productive last year. And that would be Malcolm Epps. How's that? Okay. And let's remember that, uh, that uh, Lincoln Riley is familiar with Lake McCree and probably Malcolm X from his days at Oklahoma and recruiting. Sure. So he might've envisioned these guys. Uh, he certainly has watched plenty. I'm sure film of them saw them in uh, at least uh, maybe Epps a little bit in person. Uh, during the Texas uh, rivalry with Oklahoma. So he's probably got to be more familiar with the, with the guys that are already at SC. But uh, I'll say this. I think it's the guy that can block. I, the thing I'm, I'm excited about is really the tight end has been nothing but lip service to me for, for a, too long a time. Uh, I think that Lincoln Riley and watching uh, Oklahoma play uh, does not give lip service. He, he says, we're going to use the tight end. I think they use the tight end. So I'm kind of excited to see how they'll use them. I know that a lot of it was the H back stuff, which you guys have already mentioned. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, Malcolm X uh, Epps looks like uh, a guy that could really be physical. So I don't know if this is going to up his game at all with uh, Lincoln Riley, uh, but I will go. Uh, and I know that a lot of it's situational, but I'm going to go with Malcolm Epps just at the beginning of spring. Uh, I, I need to see that Lake McCree can be very physical when he blocks and perhaps he can. So uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I'm going to cop out here with co-starters Epps and uh, McCree, which will probably upset uh, Jude Wolf and Ray and Paul. Well, so Eric, Eric, in the spring. 
Eric, call Chris and tell him that Greg's just screwing up again. <laughs> I'm sure he knows. Mark, Mark is trying again to reassure Chris, who's probably watching this somewhere. I don't know if he's in Rome now, but uh, <laughs> trying. Mark is like that guy that works uh, as the law clerk for the one of the Supreme Court justices. Right. So uh, anyway, uh, let's let us move on here. Uh, uh, we I think we pretty much covered that part of uh, on the one halftime part. segment. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. All right. All right. Before we begin the second half, a reminder that you're watching or listening to WRSC's Inside the Trojan Subtle. This week's panelists are include Mark Culkin, Eric McKinney, and I'm Greg Katz. We encourage you to check out WRSC.com, part of the On3 network, and become a subscriber to the best coverage of USC football and Trojans athletics. And as a bonus for the curious, there's currently a free WRSC seven-day trial uh, bonus, free trial bonus to view our on three plus uh, exclusive content, which includes analysis, uh, breaking stories and data for USC football, basketball and balance of USC athletics. All right, third quarter. Okay, we'll move on to the third quarter. We're gonna talk about a really competitive group here, I think. Uh, we're gonna talk about the wide receiver spring roster. Notable wide receiver losses from 2021. Drake London, of course, is going to go high in the NFL draft. Rue McCoy, uh, we know, is in the portal. Joseph Manjack, the uh, fourth, has transferred to Houston. The 2022 spring wide receiver candidates uh, from the transfer portal are Terrell Bynum from Washington, Brendan Rice from Colorado, and Mario Williams from Oklahoma. Returners, noted returners, Gary Bryant Jr., Kyle Ford, John Jackson III, Michael Jackson III, Jake Smith, Kyron Ware Hudson, Taj Washington, and a freshman, C.J. Williams, uh, modern day. Panel, your thoughts on what I think is going to be a very competitive position and your predicted starters. So, uh, Mark, lead us off here. Yeah, this is going to be uh, – this is probably going to be the position group on offense that – um, is probably going to have the most eyes on it. And, and I don't know if that's a good thing, um, only because that's a crowded room right now with a lot of talent. I don't know who's going to survive the spring, um, but there's going to be some hurt feelings. So, man, I don't know. Are we going to just go with a three wide receiver starting set? Is that yeah? That, that would be good because we, we have to know Lincoln Riley's offense, and I would say we're looking at probably three. Okay, sure. So um, my three starting wide receivers are going to be Gary Bryant, Mario Williams, and Terrell Bynum. All right, I'm sure they're happy if they watch the uh, Inside the Trojans huddle. And again, this is just all speculation right now, and I, I'm doing this. My rationale is he wants experience. He wants guys, Mario Williams and Caleb, they're going to have that connection. Gary Bryant is that speed. Terrell Bynum is that more experience and a guy who's coming to USC to show the NFL, hey, I'm ready. Let me show you what I can do in a real offense. All right. Well, Eric, uh, we're talking about a real offense here compared to what we've been uh, subjected to the last couple of years. So it could have been the halftime topic. What's that? <laughs> halftime topic? That could have been it. It could have been it. Uh, all right. What are you looking at? What do you see? So I, Mark's point about the wide receiver room being a very talented room is, I, I think, absolutely true. The issue with that is at wide receiver, I think what's been proven is you don't need seven pretty good wide receivers. You need one two, maybe three elite, elite guys. And what that we saw that sort of firsthand last year with what Drake London was able to do, he separated himself so much that nobody else could kind of keep up and, and fill that gap when he went down. So USC needs, you're, you're talking about hurt feelings and guys that aren't playing. That That's how this has to shake out. This has to shake out where you get two or three guys that just separate themselves and, and elevate their games uh, this spring. And, and I think that's better for the team rather than let's try to keep nine guys in a rotation and happy and catching three passes a game. That, that's a tough way, you know, to, to keep your offense going. Uh, Mario Williams, I think for the, for the reason you mentioned, he makes a lot of sense. He's a, a shifty, you know, 
elite speed, quick space kind of kind of guy. And again, brings the relationship with Caleb Williams over from their time at Oklahoma last year. Uh, Gary Bryant to me is, is that guy. It feels like every year or at least kind of recent memory, we've come into spring ball and there's been the guy from last year who you kind of knew was going to take that step forward in the spring and, and kind of take over the, the team. Uh, you know, recently Michael Pittman did that and we saw him on Amara. Um, I think he, he was kind of set to do that in, in 2020 before things shut down. And then Drake London, uh, that same kind of thing this past spring. Gary Bryan, I think, is the guy that, that you want to do that. And if he can, that'll go a long way, I think, for this offense. So, so he's, again, I, I think I have no problem sticking him in there as a guest at one of the other starters. Uh, and then I think the third is, is really up for grabs. Mark went with Terrell Bynum. I'll say Brendan Rice. I think he's got, like, you know, quickness and, and long speed, um, kind of a bigger guy. If Kyle Ford is fully healthy, he gives you a much different look than Gary Bryan and Mario Williams. So he's a guy there. But again, it can't just be a rotational piece. I think you you need you need two, three guys, you know, to really step up. So I, I think that's why most of the eyes are going to be on this because you do need to find kind of a pecking order. Sure, it'd be great for all of them to be great. Uh but but establishing that kind of elite guy and maybe not to the same degree where Drake London's getting 70% of the passes. Uh, but that kind of idea, I, I think, is important for that wide receiver spot this spring. You, you need some guys to, to really step up and elevate their game. All right. Did you want to give us your three again? Who you think I think that was it. Like, I, I went with Mark. I think Mario Williams and Gary Bryan are, are the two, I think, the easy guys to kind of put. There's a lot of reasons to think that, that they'll be the guy. I went with, with Brendan Rice. I could see Kyle Ford again, kind of if, if he's fully healthy and ready to go, gives you kind of a different dynamic, that, that big receiver um, out there on the outside. Uh, but again, I, neither of us mentioned Michael Jackson Jr. That guy could be ready to, to make a huge leap uh, this year. What we saw last spring from him, and it took a little while to go in the fall, but there's a lot to like about, about Michael Jackson III. And there's a lot, we didn't mention Taj Washington either. I'll start a lot here. So, so again, you could throw five, six guys out there. You you just, I, I don't know if in the end that's going to be the best thing for the offense where you just don't, you don't know who the leader is at, at wide receiver. I'm going to say there's going to be at least two receivers that leave this group during or after spring. It's, I think, it's just, they, they can't survive with that many. Wait, I mean, it's that, that's the times now, right? You're not going to keep nine guys at, at one spot happy when they can go and, and play somewhere else. It's kind of that that's baked in to college football at, at this point. Every single one of USC's receivers are a number one or number two at pretty much any other program in the country. Well, I will, I will chime in with this. Uh, I think that you're uh, both uh, pretty much right on. Uh, I think the, uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I would suggest to all the receivers don't drop any passes. First of all, <laughs> And that's a, that's a big key show that you can take a hit uh, show that you can block uh, you know, you're going to have to, the competition is going to be that, that tough. I do think that uh, Mario Williams will start. I think he's already proven himself. It's a natural for him and uh, Caleb Williams. I don't think it's a matter of, well, you know, he trans he didn't transfer here to sit. Well, did anybody tr come to sit, but I do think that he'll be one of the starters in my opinion. Uh, I do think that Gary Bryant, uh, if he's healthy and ready to go, I think he'll be one of the starters to start, which gets me down to the third player. Uh, you know, if Bynum plays like he did a couple of years ago at Washington, he's a, he's a, he's a really good player. Uh, Brendan Rice, of course, people think because he's Jerry Rice's son that, you know, he, that uh, maybe there's preferential treatment, but he's really good. Uh, he just didn't play in a particularly pass oriented or, pass friendly. And I think there's a lot of intrigue uh, to him. Uh, I, I do have concern about some of the other receivers uh, and I go along with Mark. I don't know if they're all one or two uh, in the country per se. Uh, most programs. Most, well, most. Okay. Not, uh, we'll, we'll go with most. I'll, I'll accept that. Um, I think that uh, there are going to be people transferring out. I, I totally agree with you on that one, Mark. Um, uh, I'll keep it to myself who I think will transfer out because I don't think that's fair to anybody, but to my own personal taste, it'd be interesting to see if I'm right at the end of spring, but 
you know, I do think that Michael Jackson, you really have to pay attention to, to his ability to electrify a crowd. Uh, I think that he, he, could, he could come in there. I think it's going to be who can make the big strike, take it to the house uh, almost on any given time, uh, you know, and I think that's going to show in spring practice and in, in there. So if you have to pin me down, and I'm, I am fascinated by Jake Smith. I want to see if this guy's healthy. What can he do? Um, uh, but if I had to pick a third one, geez, this is tough. I am going to go with, uh, okay, I'm going to surprise everybody here. No, I'm not. What am I going to do? See, I'm, 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 I'm up for that third one. It's so open to me. I got Chris on the line. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That He's going to pick a tight end. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'll go with Bynum. I think I'm going to go with Bynum just because I think he has the experience and he, he has proven to be an elite player as well. But I think that uh, any of the top five or six guys could really compete hard uh, and you wouldn't have a problem with who they are. So well, I here's we, something else. To, here's the final for me on this point. Yeah. They don't bring in this many transfers into that room if they were satisfied with what they already had. Agree. Total and an excellent point. An excellent point. And I think that is serving as a message to the guys who are returning. You better be ready to go and show us what you've got. And uh, I don't think, uh, I think it'll be a pretty cold blooded uh, competition. And I think it'll be a pretty cold, uh, cold blooded evaluation by the coaching staff. It'll be fascinating to see how it all shakes up at the end of spring. I can, I can guarantee you that. All right. So that rolls us uh, now into the um, fourth quarter. And of course, I will dedicate this torch lighting, which you can all see. To whoever you are, Chris, Arledge, this one's for you, buddy. We did not learn enough Italian this week to, to be able to shout him out. When he said he couldn't make it because of some very good reasons, I did text him back and say, Arrivederci. <laughs> I was hoping that he would, he would know what that means. Uh, as as you most of you that follow the show, Chris highly popular, great guy, uh, and uh, pretty most of the time he likes to think he's got all the answers and he's always right about everything. And uh, you know, most of the time he is. Now he's if he's watching this, he's probably choking on his his ravioli or spaghetti. I don't know whatever he's having over there. But we wish him a good time, as we said before. So let's let's get into the fourth quarter. I can let let the uh, candle uh, torch here burn a little bit. Um, Let's take a look at the offensive line because I know this is going to get a lot of, uh, there's been already a lot of conversation on is it going to be better under a new system? But let's look at the notable losses. First of all, Liam Jimmins uh, is headed to the NFL draft. Jalen McKenzie, same thing, NFL draft. Uh, Casey Collier, I'm not quite sure. Uh, is he in the portal now? Yes, he's gone. He's in the portal. Okay, I just wanted to confirm that. Uh, and then, of course, the candidates are uh, from the transfer portal. Just one, Bobby Haskins, uh, former three-star player out of high school. He's a physical player out of the University of Virginia. He's transferred in. Returners, Ty Buchanan, Justin Dietich, Andres Derwick, uh, Cortland Ford, Maximum Gibbs, who's back on offense, we understand. Andrew Millick, uh, Jonah Monheim, Mason Murphy, if he's recovered from surgery. Brent Nealon, uh, returning center. Gino Quinones, Jason Rodriguez, Caden Stevens, and of course, our third team AP All-America choice, uh, Andrew Voorhees. All right, gentlemen, your thoughts on the position and your predicted five starters. All right, uh, Eric, why don't you lead us off on this one and your thoughts? I mean, the offensive line has gotten so much attention the last few years. They were they were fine last year. I think I think for the most part they were pretty good. And yeah, the expectation is they will take another step forward. That this is not a position. Everyone when they talk about Lincoln Riley's offense, it's quarterbacks, it's wide receivers, it's running backs, sort of in that order. He does not mess around with the offensive line. This is not something where he just puts them in the corner and says, "Okay, get back to me on Saturday, and and we'll see how things are going." He spends a lot of time kind of figuring out how the offensive line works in there. And Josh Henson is going to be the offensive line coach is going to be a huge part of this program and this team and all. I mean, he, 
he got the offensive coordinator title to come over here to, to USC. They went out and, and got him. And I think Lincoln Riley liked kind of how he operates and how he'll fit in. Uh, this is an offense, again, when, when for an offense where the quarterback gets talked about first, you talk to people who cover Oklahoma, this thing ends up 50-50-ish in terms of run pass. This is a, a run-heavy kind of air raid and and it's something where they kind of they kind of buckle a little bit if, if you try to put air raid uh on this offense because it is it is so run heavy and and so run dominant when the offensive line can can make that happen that is going to be an absolute key for this spring is is can this offensive line or or i guess how quickly can this offensive line run lincoln riley's offense to get to a point where they can run the ball uh, whenever they need to the the that GT counter it's got to be this offensive line has got to be able to be uh, mobile agile all of that stuff get out in space get to the second level and, and put people on their backs uh, that's going to be uh, I think a big test for this offensive line and a big challenge probably every day will be made some kind of mention about them doing that it's for me the starting lineup is kind of an easy guess at this point because it it sort of fills back in on on what what is coming back and, and that's Corton Ford uh, at left tackle. I think Andrew Voorhees could I guess you could make the case left guard or right guard, but if he sticks at, at left guard and then Brett Nealon at center, uh, Justin Dietrich at right guard, and I think Bobby Haskins is probably your first guy up at, at right tackle. The guy that I I'm really interested to see is Mason Murphy. He was taking some big strides. Last year as a true freshman in practice, he was a guy where almost every practice you'd kind of say, look at him, look at him. When he went down uh, with that injury, you, you just hope it, it doesn't kind of slow his progress too much. Because I think with the way the season progressed and how things were kind of falling apart at the end of it, he's a guy that, that I think could have seen some time there uh, in those in those last few games, just to get his feet wet and see how things were going. So, again, the, there's guys there. Maximus Gibbs is always going to be kind of a, a fan favorite to see if if he can play guard, if he can, if he can move enough, like I said, uh, to be able to be an asset there. Um, but you've, you've got guys, you've got experience. And I think that maybe you don't have those elite national, you know, top 10 picks in the NFL, but uh, considering there's a four and eight team that Lincoln Riley is taking over, I can't imagine he's too sort of depressed about what the offensive line looks like and, and who he has to work with up front skipping over spring ball, this might be another spot where we see, we see a guy or two uh, come in from the transfer portal, but lots of work with. And I think it, spring maybe could tell the most about this position, how it's going to look uh, in the fall. Yeah. All right, Mark, you have, uh, are you on the same, uh, same line as Eric, or do you see things shaking out differently? Oh, no, no, no. Eric and I are, are in lockstep right now. Um, you know, to actually support what he just said. I over the weekend, um, I received some really cool information about what's going on with winter conditioning and the offensive line. And um, people might be surprised to know there have been over seven hundred different plays already installed into this offense. I wasn't sure. I, I wanted to make sure I heard that number correctly because to me, seven hundred sounds like a Paul Hackett playbook, but. People need to understand this. Lincoln Riley's offense is 65% run, 45%, or excuse me, yeah, 65-35. Um, 65% run, 35% pass. And of the pass, it's those are options. So, again, this is all about the quarterback and the offensive line, seeing what's in front of them and making the adjustment. Uh, so, as far as the O-line goes, I think USC's got a lot coming back. Um you know, Clay McGuire did a fantastic job. And had he been allowed to be more balanced, like Eric had mentioned earlier, who knows how good USC could have been last year. It wasn't until the end of the year where, you know, they kind of forced Graham to run the ball. Um, and at that point, it was just too late. You know, these guys were trained to pass block all year. And they couldn't get that mindset and they couldn't change quick enough. So um, I'm going Cortland Ford left tackle. I would love, if it was up to me, uh, I would put Andrew Voorhees at right tackle. And if he doesn't, if he's not, if Mason Murphy can handle the right tackle position, great. Put him out there. You got 
Voorhees at left guard, not Brett at center, and Justin Dietrich at right guard. You've got a really nice, solid, experienced offensive line with a really talented dude at right tackle. That's as your youngest guy. So um, there we go. There's your offensive line. Neither of us mentioned Jonah Monheim, who I, I think, you know, if, if he's your sixth, seventh guy, you know, you're, you're, and that's the beauty. Okay. Jonah Monheim can play tackle or guard. I think he's probably more comfortable playing guard. Um, again, let, let's find out in the spring. Hopefully you and I and pull Greg out of the cave and we'll get a chance to see maybe a little bit. But, I, you know, everybody's concerned about this group. For me on offense, this is a group to be the least concerned about. How's that? I think Clay McGuire did that good of a job with him last year that Josh Henson can come in now, kind of just sandpaper those rough edges, teach them how to run block first, pass block second. I think, yeah. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of movement in the portal with this group. That's just my opinion. Caleb Williams is a guy who can erase some mistakes from an offensive line also. So Jackson Dark could do that a little bit. Caleb Williams is the same kind of guy. Yeah. Oops. 10-yard gain turns into 90-yard touchdown. So there you go. And I think that's an excellent point. We saw what Sam Darnold could do. We've, we've seen it uh, time and time again. And if you have a, a mobile, maneuverable quarterbacks allowed to get out there, I think Jackson Dart, when he's healthy. Uh, Miller, Moss is isn't, you know, Miller Moss doesn't have stone feet. He can move too. No, no, no you're absolutely correct. I, I First of all, I'll tell you what. I have been to many, many camps like you guys have been to. And the one thing that you notice when they start listing three-star, four-star, five-star linemen, you know that each step represents an athletic ability. Okay, a lot of it can be in the intangibles, the intensity, the desire, the motivation, but just pure athletic ability. Most three-star players are not as gifted athletically as a four-star or as a five-star. So what's, what we're gonna find out is in spring ball, who has matured from an athletic three-star into an athletic four-star? We would not be able to find that out under the past offense under uh, Graham Harrell. Uh, but we're going to find out just who can actually pull, as Eric mentioned, the counter uh, tray play. Uh, who can actually move out and be athletic enough to go out to the other side of the defensive line or scrimmage and kick out on a tackle or a defensive end. And that's going to be a key. Uh, I look at a guy like Maximum Gibbs. Yes, they're gonna, he's going to have to be a guard in this in this offense, I believe, if I don't see him pulling out as a tackle and trapping a defensive end or, or a linebacker. But he might be quick enough now to get out there uh, and save himself a few feet as an uh, outside guard. So I'm gonna, I, I want to see how that happens. I, in terms of uh, bringing Bobby Haskins in, I think they didn't bring him in. I think Mark touched on kind of like that. They didn't bring him in because they just needed a, just a, just a body. They must've saw something that they wanted to see his particular style of play. Uh, so I think uh, when it comes down to it, uh, I know that Justin Dietrich has to start somewhere. He's just too much of a football player uh, to be just uh, kind of a, using a Dodger uh, comparison, you, a super utility player. I think he's past that point now. So I would go with Cortland Ford at left tackle. I, I would go with uh, Voorhees at left guard, obviously Brett Nealon at, at center. I would also go with uh, uh, Nealon at, at right guard. And I don't know. I just get the feeling that Haskins could be the right tackle uh, because he has the experience. And they say he has a lot of uh, nasty in him. And I'm He's wearing sure a boot right now. He's not playing this spring. Well, if he's not going to be in the spring because he's wearing a boot, first of all, that's news to me. But then again, we don't know much about anything that's going on. But if you say so, I'm going to, I'll take you uh, for what you, uh, your word for it. So if Haskins is not going to play and we're just talking about spring, uh, I think it could be an open uh, season for a, a number of players. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I still think that Monheim might get another shot at, at seeing what he could do with tackle. Uh, you know, he had his ups and downs last year. I know that. So we'll see. So uh, with that in mind, uh, you know what? Uh, it's going to be a position certainly that uh, we're all going to watch. And uh, we don't know whether the practices are going to be open to the media. We hope they will be. 
but you know, it's like anything else. Practices are like studying for a test. The real test could be when you see them in in in, in uh, scrimmages, and of course the public scrimmage. And then you'll get maybe somewhat of an idea, not much, but somewhat of an idea of what they're doing. Mark, you want to add something? No, I'm just nodding along and, and agreeing with you. I was, you know, I'm going to, I was going to do this in, a, in my Monday morass day, but I didn't get a chance to, something came up. So I'm going to put something out for tomorrow, but uh, winter conditionings, it's been a kind of a remember of the Titans type of off season. They are really trying to see who who's going to stick around, and they've been focused on that offensive line, Greg. So, I heard over the weekend that there was quite a few vomit buckets being filled up. Uh, you know, I will say since you touched on it, I'll just uh, conclude this uh, portion with: uh, I am a little bit, uh, should we say, uh, numb to new conditioning coaches, and this is going to be the best we've ever seen. We're in better condition. The vomit buckets are out there. You know, I, I have no doubt that some guys do make a difference. I like Chris Carlisle when he's with uh, Pete Carroll really made a difference because Chris was a coach. And many times I'd hear him say, I don't like the way he turns his hips. I don't like the way his arm length. I mean, he was really into uh, the technique stuff. Uh, I don't know much about the guy from Oklahoma that's come over. I'll admit that. Uh, I've heard good things about him, uh, but we'll see. I know that players always feel when they get a new conditioning coach, you know, he's the best we've ever had and we're learning new things. And so, okay, great. But we'll see what happens when it uh, translates onto the field. So uh, anyway, we're going to have a brief overtime here. Uh, we spent much of our time on uh, going over the offense, by the way, next week, we'll do the same thing with the defense uh, and break it down for you. Uh, so we're in overtime. It's time to answer viewer questions uh, in a free-for-all uh, answer format. A reminder to those of you that are watching or you're listening, if you'd like to submit a question that we can answer here or give our opinion on we are uh, the Inside the Trojans Huddle, just go to either the Gary P or We Are SC members message boards. From there, we'll, uh, you'll see the uh, topic thread regarding questions from Inside the Trojans Huddle. Now, we're going to limit this to kind of a fun single question here. And Eric uh, gives you a chance to chime in, I think, on this one as well. Uh, we mentioned, uh, and I have done it in a column, what kind of music did you want to see the Trojan team come out of the locker room uh, in the past? Eminem, okay. Uh, we saw that. Uh, I was thinking about some other songs this week. One of our uh, uh, questionnaires here, uh, DBL, said, how could you guys get the walk-up music so wrong? This was easy and so L.A. Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. All right. Uh, so how do you react to that? Eric, what do you think about the walk-up music? All right. Would you be happy with Guns N' Roses? That one, I think that one would be fine. Honestly, if they're going to win 11, 12 games a year, I will listen to Lincoln Riley do spoken word poetry as the team comes out of the tunnel. I like, I, so I, I was at school, I was at USC when, um, you know, they, they started doing Eminem and, and that sort of thing. So that has kind of sentimental, you know, meaning to, to me uh, being there and, and watching that. I, I like the idea of kind of picking something iconic and sticking with it forever, or at least, you know, as long as you can. I, and the other way I think you can go is I liked when they kind of introduced when the Coliseum got done, when they put that, that big video board up there in the closed end and they, it was kind of the first time they really dove into their own sort of media production and the hype video and all that kind of stuff just kind of the, that sort of thing, watching the team, you know, they, they, I think it was like a dozen guys they brought in to do kind of Nikhil Roby did like a backflip and Mark, Matt Barkley was on there too. That sort of stuff. Like I, I, I like that. I like kind of a, a new video every year. And I think you could maybe do a song. Um, I'll tell you what, you let, you let uh, Mateo come in as part of this 2023 class and, and maybe, maybe you let him, kind of write a song every year that that he's at USC for them to play. So I, Guns N' Roses, that, you know, Welcome to the Jungle, I, I think is fine. Um, I don't know what kind of connection the guys on the team would have to that. At this point, uh, when I listen to the radio and you've got oldies that are the songs I, you know, it's just, I, I can't listen to oldie stations very long because it 
makes me feel like I'm about 400. Um, when you turn on K Earth 101 and you're listening to No Doubt, something is wrong. Something mid 2000s, yeah, yeah, that is that's rough. Uh, but I I don't think I don't think he's DBL. I don't think he's wrong. I, I think that is I think that's uh, you know something right off the top there that would work uh, as kind of a pump up song for for USC to come out to. Mark, you have any final thoughts on the, the walkout song? Yeah, it's a pumpy up song. I mean, I don't know why USC and the Coliseum Trojans, you get the jungle connotation, but um, sure, why not? I'm not going to argue. <laughs> well, I'll wrap it up. I was going to go with this, but Eric kind of Please. stole a little bit when he brought up Mateo. Greg, we need to have a tight end doing it. A Titan needs to sing whatever the introduction song is. Plus the halftime performance. There you go. All right. Well, we'll as my son would say, Dad, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> well, I'll just say this. I wrote a column. I first did the column on Sunday about ideas, you know, more of a Hollywood glitzy type of thing. You know, I said, maybe the team should vote on it because they're the ones coming out and they know what's the ba- you know, latest hit. Maybe that would be a, a good thing. Uh, I'd like them to, to maybe the team comes out, forms a spirit tunnel, or the band forms a spirit tunnel. Uh, I looked at a lot of different videos of teams coming out. I think Virginia Tech, there's nothing that to me that's any better than Virginia Tech, enter the sand, enter Sandman, uh, and the way they do it. I don't know if that fits well to the type of crowds that come to the Coliseum, but uh, it was it's pretty impressive production. But uh, I would like to see one week the offense introduced kind of NFL style, the defense introduced uh, the style, let the team, the non-starters or the players on the other uh, unit form a spirit tunnel. And, uh, you know, though these are just ideas. They'll do what they think is best, but I think it's always good to try to, to get some new ideas. And since we are getting a fresh start with Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, seeing something along the lines of a new presentation would be kind of, uh, kind of cool in my opinion. I think Sandstorm is always kind of one that that gets brought up as, you know, this kind of thing pretty ubiquitous. I will tell you, uh, if the team votes, the only thing I can guarantee is that I will have never heard of the song that that goes, I, it will be, it will be fun. It will be fun to listen to. It will pump them up and I will have no idea who sings it or or what the lyrics are to it. I just don't want to see them doing TikTok dances on the big screen (laughs) It's it's coming. It's coming. That's that's the next step in NIL uh, where you can sell an, an NFT of the guy dancing out of the tunnel. And on that note, <laughs> that's a wrap for this edition of Inside the Trojan Subtle. A reminder, uh, viewers and listeners, next Tuesday, we'll go over the pre-spring practice defensive edition. So until then, a big thank you to this week's panel of Mark Culkin, Eric McKenney, and a special thank you to all of you who have been watching or listening inside the Trojans Tuttle. Until next Tuesday, this is your host, Greg Katz, reminding all of you and wishing you all, fight on, everybody.